What's up, RTC? This is the Career Progressions Podcast, brought to you by RevealTalent.com. I'm your career advocate, Mark Allred. You know, building the career you want is no longer about climbing the ladder of success. Technology and the speed of information have made advancing in your career like climbing a rock wall. Our podcast focuses on the stories of career pros and experts who have climbed before you. What they share will help you find the climbing holds they use to get where they are today. Their stories will help you be proactive, be intentional, and keep moving forward. You know, I've got a question for those of you listening out there who are married or in a serious relationship. What's one thing that attracted you to the person that you're with? Perhaps it was a physical characteristic or something about their personality. Whatever it was, it was something that made them different from all of the other people that you could have chosen to be in a relationship with. You know, when it comes to choosing who we're planning to spend the rest of our lives with, things like chemistry and physical attraction are widely accepted as fair play. However, when it comes to a hiring decision, factoring in those kinds of things is downright scandalous. Conscious and unconscious biases, however, are all around us. I certainly agree that with the notion that all of us have some form of it. I mean, it could be race, sex, age, education, disability, social class. Heck, it could even be height. Did you know that Malcolm Gladwell famously revealed in his book, Blink, that 58% of the CEOs in Fortune 500 companies are over six feet tall? So why is that so alarming? Because only 14.5% of men are actually over six feet. So you see bias in the workplace It's everywhere, and it's problematic for a lot of workers. But if you're looking for work, it could be one of the most frustrating roadblocks that you face. Today, I've invited Denny Clark to join us in a conversation about how to battle all kinds of biases during a job search. Denny is the founder and CEO for Pinnacle Performance Consulting and is the chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee for the Society of Human Resources Management. He has an award-winning record of achievement in performance improvement, training, recruiting, and diversity. His company helps organizations attract and retain diverse talent and see beyond the biases that can hold us back from employing the best of the best. He's also had a very personal battle with a form of bias in his career that I'm very excited he's open to sharing with you today. Well, welcome, Denny. Thank you for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure, Mark. Happy to be here with you. I'm excited. I'm excited to have this conversation. I appreciate you being here for it. Well, you've had a lot of experience mentoring and coaching and training leaders in the area of diversity and conscious bias. Can you can you share a bit about what you've been doing and, and what you're doing now? Uh, yeah, happy to do that. Um, and to be honest with you, most of my experience has come through my experience as director of recruitment with uh, Wachovia about 10, 15 years ago, and really beginning to focus in on knowing that um, at mid-level to high level within our organization, we didn't have a good representation 
uh, of people of color. And it was being noticed by organizations such as uh, the NAACP as the director. Um, they were getting my attention and I was getting the attention of my sources and recruiters around, you know, what was the real deal as to why we weren't uh, able to recruit and and retain uh, diverse talent. And again, with a primary focus at that time on women and people of color. And what I found in going through the process and getting real detailed about the numbers is that actually the recruitment numbers were greater than representation in the population for both of those segments of the population, those demographics, uh, but we weren't retaining them. So we didn't have good processes in place, good systems in place, good uh, programs in place to actually retain the talent that we were that we were bringing in, and that really brought me to a point to where within my career I started to have more and more of a focus in on diversity within organizations, and um, within the past year uh, it was given me privilege of heading for uh, Big Ben Sherm, which is uh, the Big Ben is the area around Tallahassee, seven different uh, counties uh, here. But uh, I was given the uh, privilege of heading their diversity, equity and inclusion uh, committee. And at that point, um, this was last year before COVID hit, we were really focused in on people of color, those who were over 50, those with disabilities and what we call returning citizens, those with non-felonious records coming back into society. Yeah. And uh, we were all focused in on finding ways to get them jobs. And we established an initiative called Talent Revealed. It was all about revealing that talent that at that point could have gone overlooked. But then COVID hit and unemployment rate went from 4% up to over 15%. And all of a sudden people were on the street. And so we had to shift our focus away from more so the education of employers around diverse demographics to more or less just really exploring, okay, so what do we do with the diversity that we have and how do we keep the diverse talent that we have? So it got us to a point to where we started to really drill down on diversity from a different perspective and not hiring, but more so retaining uh, that diversity and really changing perspectives. And it really brought me to a point to where I began to recognize not only for our group, but um, for myself, what was going on in terms of what I would call conscious and unconscious uh, bias. I had determined in my career that after about with a disability, I was out of the workforce for about four years. And I decided that I was going to come back into the workforce while I was doing all of this diversity work. And I was really excited. And I started to run into um, some challenges, both from a standpoint of unconscious and conscious bias that really brought me to a point, really having a focus and changing the focus of, of my career aspirations and trajectory uh, based upon what I was finding. Wow. And I tell you, that's that's a lot. I mean, you know, you, when you look at that journey of how you've kind of been tackling this issue way back to your Wachovia days, and I know companies, they're spending a lot of money to try to address it. And it's still such a huge, big 
issue in our country and I think is going to be for quite some time. But, you know, a a lot of job seekers experience this issue with conscious bias and unconscious bias. I mean, even before they even get a chance to talk to a recruiter. So, for example, there was a study that was done by the National Bureau of Economic Research that shows that people with, quote unquote, white sounding names received 50 percent more interview callbacks than those with an African-American sounding name. How does how does somebody battle against something like that? Well, I've, I've talked to uh, a number of, of my friends and also uh, just looked at my own experiences. And what I have found with that is, number one, it's, it's difficult. A lot of my friends have decided that any kind of references to any kind of ethnic uh, sounding names, mm-hmm. uh, they have taken out of their resumes, wow. uh, middle names, or even you know surnames. And some of them have even, believe it or not, changed their actual name in order to have it sound more European like now that's a that's an extreme yeah and so the other portion of that has been to have uh, organizations begin to educate their hiring managers and others who are on or part of the selection committee to pay attention to that the impact of having that kind of bias going into the process and organizations beginning to really confront and I would say fight uh, unconscious and conscious bias. And um, a lot of challenges with that uh, fight as, as well within organizations. And, and I have found, particularly after the George Floyd experience yeah. and people beginning to really get focused in on on race and, and the impact that it has not only on organizations, but on culture, particularly with a culture like police enforcement, you know, coming to the conclusion uh, in many instances that things are going to take a longer time to change than what we ever thought and finding that. In some uh, areas with people of color that I know that over the past couple of years that with the heightened awareness of the work that was being done in organizations, there's also coming a sort of a, how can I put it, more or less like a a slight anger on the part of people who uh, happen to be uh, persons of color, you know, saying, golly, this thing should have changed. And then also with others who happen to be in the mainstream of ethnically Caucasians, uh, thinking that, wow, well, where's this anger coming from? And it's directed at me, and this is not about me. I have a real focus on diversity and support it, and not knowing where that's coming from, that kind of tension that is growing within a lot of organizations right now that people are having some difficulty overcoming. Yeah. And it's it's interesting and it, it affects on so many levels. You've mentioned a little bit earlier, too, you know, the, the companies need to take responsibility for really weeding some of this stuff out and to make their yeah. practices one that line that up. I mean, clearly the battle to diminish conscious bias is going to have to be fought within our organizations with weapons like training, awareness and even yeah. policies. But you know, however, from your experience and a lot of the folks, you know, that we're attracting as listeners, I mean, these are job seekers. So these are folks mm-hmm. out there really trying to make this uh, you know, happen from a job seeker standpoint. From your experience, though, are there things that they can do to minimize the impact beyond what just companies are doing? 
That's a that's an interesting question. And I would say to you right off the bat, yes, there are things that you can do. And one of them for me was to actually begin to work throughout organizations like the Society for Human Resources Management and begin to educate the more than 200 businesses that we have uh, within that organization around diversity and inclusive uh, inclusion initiatives and programs. And actually, you know, beginning to set an agenda of, of programs like, you know, one that, you know, that we have coming up um, how to set up a DEI organization, you know, the focus, um, the challenges that you would find. A lot of companies are, you know, saying, yeah, I've got to get that set up, but then not really going through the change management that needs to happen in order to really make it stick. And so it doesn't. And so how do you get that done? Other things that we did, we actually had what we called a diversity uh, hackathon where we looked at a challenge within diversity and we really explored it with six different breakout groups and came back with recommendations on how to really impact organizations on how to become a more inclusive workforce. And then what I would say to you from my personal standpoint, what I found after four years off taking off in the workforce, oh, of being in the workforce in order to recover physically, woke up one day and I was over 50 and I was also disabled. And I began to see for myself some of the things that were, you know, you would like to say that were unconscious and some of the things that were blatantly conscious about how people approach um, individuals with who are over 50 and, and disabled. And I'll give you a, a couple of instances just for me. Uh, personally, I was told after my somewhat uh, stellar career, 30-year yeah. career that, um, you know, yeah, I, I, Denny, I know that you had a great career before, but you were disabled for a while and now you need to prove yourself. So can you get me references even before I was able to get an, an interview. And, and so that, that was sort of difficult for me to kind of swallow um, yeah. with my, with my background and then and being told in, in one instance, there was a situation where we were filling, I was working with the state agency and we were filling a, uh, a new manager came in, a new director came in and wanted to fill a, a leader position. And, of course, I had uh, also been with Markovia, director of consumer bank training for, you know, what was then the fourth largest bank. And then I had also most recently been the uh, director of training for the Department of Juvenile Justice. And so I had state experience as well. This is within a state organization. And this gentleman happened to fill the position. And when I asked him how come he didn't even give me a shot at it, his response was, well, Denny, I thought with your career that you would never be interested in something like that because of your age and your disability, which those were some of the reasons why I wanted another shot at something like that. And then one final, one, one final, I guess, uh, adding insult to injury of someone mentioning to me that um, they didn't think that uh, you could teach an old dog new tricks. Huh. Um, I mean, these were 
you know, blatant examples and true examples of what I face personally. But as I've talked to others, uh, they face similar things like that, similar challenges. And so being able to, number one, talk to other individuals who have gone through that and beginning to get focus in on how do we educate organizations that we belong uh, belong to, to have a different perspective, to get them educated, to begin to allow managers to do two things. Number one, take on the awareness that maybe something looking at themselves and saying, you know, what do I need to change? And then the responsibility to then take that and make a change within their respective organizations. And it starts with making a change inside of his or herself. Wow. And, you know, Denny, of course, folks who listen to the show know I get to this place where I talk about folks maybe sharing something personal. And I appreciate you o- opening that door before I even ask it. That had to be very tough. I mean, some of this this feedback that you're getting uh, directly related to the disability and things and processing that and figuring out what to do with that. Can you walk me through just the emotion of of how does it feel to get that kind of feedback whenever you're you're trying to, to find that next level in your career? Well, and particularly with a person like me who had enjoyed a lot of uh, success and not a lot of questioning about my abilities, at least not my mental and emotional and intellectual abilities. What ended up happening with me, Mark, and, and what I found in my coaching practice was more, how can I put it, it, it was more emotional. It, it was a hit to my uh, psyche, mm. I would say that. And so all of a sudden, you know, this uh, somewhat rambunctious, very energetic, you know, thinking individual, I started to question who I was and questioning whether or not uh, if I still had the ability, if I still had the intellect to play at a certain level. And that actually took me to a point to where I didn't want to play anymore. And so I resigned myself to staying at home and, uh, you know, watching all the judge shows and you know, <laughs> figuring, out, figuring it out that, you know, after about a year of that, that, you know, that wasn't working. And the thing that really saved me was beginning to mentor younger folks and getting a sense, particularly with um, uh, the millennials, that they had an expectation of being in a more diverse workforce. They saw the value more so than people who are coming from my, let's say, age demographic. I'm a baby boomer. And so they had that expectation and and that hope. And so that gave me hope and began to um, allow me to start having conversations. I actually shifted and pivoted away from looking for a job and moved back into owning my own business and then pivoted from there into doing more coaching around age and also and and disability biases and helping people to get through them both from the standpoint of organizationally and personally making that approach to get the, the confidence to be able to come back and say you know what I can do this. I may be uh, disabled, but and I may be a little older, but I still have the ability, the intellectual ability to do what, what I did once before, as long as I stay open to learning new things and, 
have the energy to do so. So that's where I've, I've moved my entire business to doing more in that realm and became what I now call myself a disability inclusion workforce advocate and coach. That is my byline of what I what I think about every day when I go into do my own business now. Well, and Denny, I love the fact that that one of the biggest responses to you know this conscious bias that you faced was that you turned it into doing actual work that that eliminates it for somebody else, right? Working mm-hmm. with these organizations that creates that. Let me ask you something, because yeah. you're a great coach in, in this realm, and I, I think the audience could very much benefit from some of the things you would coach them on about it. So if you if you could go back to to that guy that was sitting on the couch watching the uh, the judge shows, as you put, you know, dealing with you know just licking the wounds of that that tough scenario that he's dealing with, what what would be some key coaching things you would say to him, you know, to help him keep moving forward in that in that uh, in the wake of that tough stuff? A reconnection with things in life that are positive. And for me, I started with going back to who I was as a um, spiritual and to some extent religious person. Yeah. And so I began to to pray about what I wanted to be about. And I've had to re-look at my mission and vision in, in my life. And so I rewrote them. And really spent, you know, weekends just kind of thinking through, okay, so you've done all of this work. Um, What do you want to be about um, for the next 10, 15 years? If God has it that you can, you know, live that long. So that was one for me, reconnecting with a, a, a mission and a vision. And it became more so or less so about what level could I attain within an organization and more so who and what impact could I, um, how could I help others to reach their next level of performance? And that's really where I came up with the name of Pinnacle um, Performance, the name of my business, because it just hit me one day in prayer. You know, I wanted to take people to like, um, I dreamed of a mountaintop and to take them to to help them to get to that level of performance and you know deem that that's not just the individual but a team or organization um focusing in on that and then if i could do that then i was living my mission and doing what i needed to do and and to be very candid with you the rest has kind of come into being almost magically it's like the Harder I worked at it, the luckier I got, uh, and uh, and things have been really exploding for for my business and some you know interesting things right along the lines of the work you know that my new mission uh, expostulated. I love how you put that, Denny, and how you describe that. I mean, in in our community, funny it was something I posted on social media not too long ago is you know I think success really comes from reconnecting with that God-given purpose and then not letting the world knock you off that spot Mm -hmm. Uh, just get connected and you keep moving forward through that 
So, you know, in, in our community, that's one of the things we really challenge folks with is really to get connected with in that way and connect to the things that drive you about your career, connect to your priorities, connecting to how you bring value, because yeah. no matter what's happening in your life, disability or what, not, anything, you bring value. And if you can connect to that and really let that flow through the work that you're going to do next, it makes a big difference. I will, I will tell you this, uh, Mark, um, that was one thing in all sincerity that attracted me to building a friendship with you, sir. Hmm. Of, of course, I've, I have known your business partner, Mark Hutto, for uh, a number of years. And Mark has always moved from a, um, how can I put it, a very principle-centered type of leadership and how he conducted himself personally. And so I watched as he built the relationship with you that resulted in this business. Uh, and that impressed me with you, that kind of grounding, that kind of sincerity, that kind of honesty, that kind of insightfulness um, that you have that actually gave me a little bit more confidence to keep moving on, even though you weren't necessarily actively coaching me. So you've got something special there too, sir, that um, you should know about. Hey, if, no one has, if no one has told you recently. <laughs> I, I greatly appreciate the compliment. That's I mean that. You to say. Well, hey, and I think that's one of the things that uh, has attracted me to, to really get to know you at the level we've been able to get to know each other is that we share that same passion for that. And I hope I hope the listeners hear that. I think, you know, that kind of passion, if you can get connected to it, doesn't matter what you do, what type of work that you're in, if you can work through that passion, you're going to bring a lot of value. Now, hey, Denny, I know one area that, that you're doing a lot of great work with. I mean, you're a champion for disabled American workers, and you've been that champion for some time now. What do you think is something that employers and just people in general need to know about the challenges of the disabled community and the overall mindset that they have about their role in the workforce? Well, I would start with a couple of ways that everyone can get connected to and educated about those who are disabled and the workforce that is um, there for, I would say, for the taking. So let me just bring up a couple of resources, if you don't mind, and, and a few stats. Okay, there, there's a, a 2018 study by Accenture uh, that's called Getting to Equal the Disability Inclusion Advantage. And in it, Accenture does the most exhaustive study that I've seen yet of individuals who are disabled within the American workforce. And there happen to be about 15 million of us who identify as being disabled. And that could be mentally or, or physically. And it's interesting when you compare uh, individuals who are disabled with the able-bodied demographic within the workforce, they uh, able-bodied uh, individuals participate in the workforce at a rate of about 75%, meaning they're actively looking for opportunities, businesses, or looking to get into to work for a business, while only 29% of those who of us who are disabled are active participants in the workforce, mm. which leaves a tremendous amount of talent that is uh, there just waiting to be uh, engaged. 
when you look at the, the standard workforce of around 4.7, just recently, 4.7 unemployment, it's over 10% for those of us who are who identify as being disabled. So when we begin to educate ourselves about the talent that is there and begin to focus maybe a little bit on, okay, so how do I reach out to organizations like vocational rehabilitation organizations? We have one here in Florida called the Able Trust, um, the um, Agency for People with Disabilities. When you start to get a connection with those, you're able to find uh, individuals with great talent who tend to stay in organizations longer and who have a competency built around innovation because I will tell you just about every day in my life, I have to think of some innovative way that I'm going to do something that my physical abilities will not allow me to do. So I've got to figure out how am I going to get this done? And, and I apply that competency to my work each and every day. And that is a part of the study that was done by Accenture. So it's a really, um, you know, interesting perspective. It's only 15 pages. And I'm happy to send it to you if you I would, have it, Mark. I, I tell you what, to you. I'd love you to do that. And, uh, and for those who are listening, I'll get that attached to our show notes so that Wonderful. you have the opportunity to, to review that. It sounds like it'd be very educational in that arena. Oh. Yeah, it, it's wonderful. And it actually talks about when you're looking at larger organizations uh, like a Publix, like a Bank of America, they we have created within the United States an, an actual index made of about 12 different components, which coming together kind of have a, a ranking of organizations and their level of treatment and uh, respect of those who are disabled. And they have 45 uh, companies that are considered disability inclusion champions. And your group should know about that. Your constituents should know about those companies who are doing it well and willing and ready to train others to do the same thing. Yeah, that's great. And I think that just having that information available for folks to see it, I mean, there are things out there that have been put in place to help folks, you know, with disabilities to connect the dots to finding their way back into work. And I've always been inspired, Denny, about how how passionate you you've expressed to me that so many of the folks that you've met in the disabled community, yeah, how passionate they are about wanting to get back to work. That yeah. They truly do want to be making a difference and to to be uh, you know doing work that inspires them. And yeah. so hopefully these resources, as they continue to evolve, will help them do that. Well, Denny, I think we're getting towards the end of the time, but I, I, what, so what are some other thoughts and just kind of final thoughts that you have that you really feel like, you know, the listeners really need to, to know as, as they're thinking about this, this conscious and unconscious bias towards all kinds of workers, but particularly in the disabled community? Um, well, a couple of things. Let me come back to the disabled community community and then end in, in general. There's a and some of the work that I do, there is um, a statement, and I can't remember where it's emanating from, but it talks about the dignity and independence that is brought about by work in general, be it owning your own business or um, working for someone else. And when you're able to 
do impactful work, what that brings to you as a, as a person. It's, and it's good to remember that regardless of the type of demographic that you're bringing into the, the workforce and the, the type of bias uh, you may be facing, conscious or unconscious, to keep striving for that level of independence and, 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 and dignity. I will tell you, give you one last example of how my business is working through that with a focus on those who are disabled, but really it really cuts across everyone who's, who's looking to own a business. My business has recently formed a partnership uh, organization called the Able Trust, and they help individuals find opportunities uh, with, who are disabled. And then uh, the Small Business Development Corporation, which is a subsidiary of the SBA. The, uh, within Florida, there are 200 uh, consultants who help business people, prospective and current owners, to get into small business uh, for themselves or to expand their businesses. And their new director has forged this, this alliance with, with us in the Able Trust to train consultants, number one, on how to better help small businesses to identify and also recruit and retain uh, those who are disabled, uh, but then also how to better deal with those who are coming in. And a lot of them are coming in from, say, for instance, Afghanistan and other uh, tours of duty with disabilities and looking to own businesses and training those individuals on how to open up their own business and be accommodating to them, which the accommodations really are, you know, close to nothing to to invest. That's the kind of stuff that of of magic that happens within the workforce that allows you to not only look at disability inclusion, but inclusion in general and get you excited about diversity in general. And when you start there, you can get a real passion about diversity and uh, do a lot of good work and build a lot of great businesses and, and also build a lot of great employment functions as well. Yeah. And, and Denny, I am, I am grateful for the great work that you're doing to bring that awareness uh, out there and to help us all to evaluate our own biases and uh, apply that to the hiring that we're doing so that we are truly bringing in the great talent that's out there that maybe we're not allowing to come to the table. So, you know, I wish you much, much success uh, in continuing to bring that light out and to continue to create opportunities for folks who need them and want them. So I appreciate it and thank you for the time today. And I thank you. And I think there's a way that you and I, uh, through your business, that we can partner together on this project that I just uh, talked about. I can't so. wait to see how we can uh, bring value to whatever uh, is driving the kind of things you're driving there. So I appreciate that a bunch. Yeah. All uh, right. Thank you for the opportunity to talk with uh, with your folks about this. My, thank you. My honor. Ours as well. You know, I don't know about you, but I find it so inspiring to see the work that people like Denny are doing for all workers to bring about a work environment that is fully inclusive and is truly centered around how each of us brings value. You know, I hope you processed what he said about how important it is to connect to your own personal mission and purpose and proactively, proactively figure out how to put that to work in whatever it is you're doing. If you need help doing that, we have so many resources available to you in the Revealed Talent community, 
And we love to be a career advocate to help you gain that clarity about your career drivers, your priorities, and how you bring value. To learn more, just check us out on revealtalent.com. Thanks for listening. And remember to continue to be proactive, be intentional, and keep moving forward.